You are now experiencing the roller coaster known as country music. Sit back, relax, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times, fasten your seat belts, and be sure to tip your waiters and waitresses. Now, without further ado, your guides, Ryan and Jordan. This is the Country Music Critic. What's going on, folks? How about it? So, do you have a little bit of country news for us? Uh, I do. Uh, I wanted just to give, uh, basically, a shout out to Mr. Chris Stapleton, the award winner himself. For he's you know, finally getting to perform his concert in Lexington, Kentucky, at Kroger Field, which is where you know the uh, University of Kentucky you know, football team plays. I swear this show has been planned for at least you know, three or four years, and it's got canceled because of COVID you know, pandemic. And then last year was you know, something totally different. You know, I canceled it, but. He's getting to perform this time. It's actually happening. I think it's actually on Saturday. But on top of that, his alma mater, uh, Johnson Central High School in Painesville, Kentucky, is getting all of the seniors he is uh, 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 letting them come to the concert for free. So that's cool. And on top of that, he is donating a large percentage of the money he makes off the concert to tornado relief for the tornadoes that you know, struck western kentucky you know something that's, you know close to us uh but he is giving back so i thought that was really cool that's pretty good that is uh, i had a chance to see him one time on his rise up and of course i mean it, it kind of put me to sleep it was almost like the jamie johnson thing of course he was talented it's just not what i was looking for when i went to a concert but hey it's Chris Stapleton. You got to respect him either way. Mm, for sure. You know, something else that I found really fascinating this week, you know, the time that I was like hell bent on country music was around early 2000s, 2005-ish. And at that time, these stars were so big in my eyes, which were Kenny Chesney, you know, the Garth Brooks just coming off of his retirement, George Strait, and – so I Googled him. Kenny Chesney is playing Tampa this weekend. It's his first big tour in like almost two years. But he's playing the football stadium. He's 54 years old. It's crazy mm-hmm. to see that Chesney is 54 years old. George Strait is 59. I mean, George yeah. Strait is 60. Um, no, I got that completely wrong. George Strait. Hang on. Because if I don't get this right, it's not going to make sense. Because I've got Garth's age in there, too. And it was kind of mind-blowing. I figured I George I, would be older. That's what I was about to say. George is 69. Garth, I believe Garth is either 59. I think he's 59. I think that sounds right. Garth is 60. So, George Strait, which I remember just seemed like it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, George Strait is 69. Garth is 60. Kenny Chesney is 54. 54. Tim McGraw, 54. 
Mr. Allen Jackson is 63 years old. Yeah. Willie Nelson is 105. Randy Travis. Willie Nelson's not 105. <laughs> He's 88. Yeah. He's kind of like the Mick Jaggers. He's going to live forever. You know? Well, when my grandpa was you know, seven, that's when I, Willie Nelson was born. <laughs> that's wild to me. It is. And, <laughs> you know, I know it's only been 20-some years, but, I mean, just think about it. I was watching Chesney in his prime, which would have been his, his 30s, you know, and for yeah. him to still – be selling out Tampa Bay Stadium and for Garth to be running around jumping. And, I mean, yeah. it, it it is. It's just mind-blowing. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, unless it's rap, yeah, the majority of the time, uh, music artists, when they come out, almost 90% of the time, it's when they're a little older. You know, they you know try to act young, but they're usually, you know, at, you know, earliest in their thirties. Taylor Swift was a little different. I mean, she was young, but now, but, I mean, CeeLo Green, he was in his you know forties before he <clears throat> made it, you know, famous. So, but respectfully, though, uh, George Strait's sixty nine is not like my grandpa's sixty nine. You no. know what I mean? Because right. George Strait, I mean, you know, no disrespect, but. You know, he didn't wake up and go to a, a job fifty plus hours a week. You know, no, and, and he's through. getting he's getting the you know finest Botox that his little area provides as well. I don't think George Strait would ever do that. I I, I, I mean, look I, at I, him. Who knows? I, but I don't he does. think so. That would be something that we could look into. Well, ain't nobody gonna and be honest about that. The last thing that I want to close with, and I used to be the first one to do this, folks. Luke Bryan, I used to be the first one to literally dog shit talk about him. But I watched a documentary on him, and the dude is – how could you not like him? If you knew he's his good, story. He's a good guy. I mean, he, he he's lost his brother when he was in school, you know, lost mm -hmm. his sister after playing the Grand Ole Opry. Then he loses his brother-in-law and takes in the family and raises them i mean he's just a genuine guy and he's i a good guy I, I love the part where he hired cole swindell to sell t-shirts and then pushed his career into the stratosphere that he's in right now for you yeah. uh-huh you know and i <laughs> i had to say that part yeah i appreciate that he did that for cole swindell but the fact of the matter is he might be able to write a couple songs and sell some t-shirts. That's why I've made that comment in the past, but he's just doing that for a buddy. I mean, Luke Bryan, as much as I, you know, I don't like his music, he is talented. Yeah. He sounds like, you know, Kermit the Frog and you know, Gomer Pyle had a love child and, you yeah, know, they and, and to sing, but. he doesn't have, you know, what we talked about it's such a confusing thing because people say we're saving country music let's get rid of luke bryant that's not going to save country music by no. canceling luke bryant i mean the guy's a good dude and god's blessed him to get him as far and if the fans are paying it they're going to keep selling it that's the way it is i'm going to explain something to everybody everybody's like we need to save country music save country music there's nothing wrong with country music you're always going to have 
a few versions of country music. You're going to have, you know, your folks out there that are pop a lot more than their country, but it's a type of country music. You're going to have your folks like you know, Tyler Childers. You're going to have your folks, you know, like not Cody Johnson, like in you know, Sturgill Simpson, you know, like these guys that are going out there and they do have an older sound to them or they're more of a, you know, <clears throat> folk sound. It's all country. <clears throat> country music is not going anywhere and it's not changing completely. It is going a lot more poppy than it used to be, but like it's always changed. It's always progressed. It started off. It was like you know, gospel music. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, uh, you know, like the hymns that you see in the old southern churches. That's what country music sounded like. You know, Elvis. If you looked at his career now, it would be country. His entire career, he's a king of rock and roll. If you, if he was to come out with all those songs and today, it would be country. It would not be rock and roll. But but so, let me say, go ahead. I mean. I, that's just the way you know time does. Everything changes. And, I mean, everything's changed. Raps changed. You know, rock and rolls changed. It's all electrical now. <clears throat> Rap used to be. I mean, it started off talking about you know things going on in the neighborhood and you know <clears throat> kind of soft. It wasn't real hardcore, and then it turned to gangster rap, where it's talking about shooting people. Yeah, yeah, selling drugs and all that. That's my favorite type of rap, just to be honest. And all this now, it's all talking about the same stuff, but it's mumble rap and it's awful. Like, it makes no. If you had all the money in the world and you could control radio station and all that, here's what I don't understand. People say they want to save country music, and you have Sturgill, you have Tyler, you have Chris Stapleton. Okay. The fans still have their artists, and they're still able to buy the music. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to the only difference is, is they're getting played on the radio. Yeah. And 85% of people don't even listen to the radio anymore. Mm-mm. So no. the Save Country Music protest, which I was happily on that bandwagon, I really don't see how we have anything to bitch about anymore because we do have the artists that are country. We do every Mm -hmm. now and then we got to hear some Dan and Shay bullshit, but we have the opportunity nowadays in 2022 to have our own radio station in our car. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know if there was anybody who ever ruined country music per se, No, because it changes so much and it changes constantly. I mean, you know, what's there to save now? If they were pulling people out of the Country Music Hall of Fame to replace them with Dan and Shay, yeah, then we'd have a problem. But right. I think right now there's really nothing to bitch about. No, there's not, and there never. I don't, I don't think there ever could be. Ultimately, all these artists that you like and that are you know <clears throat> real true country artists they're always going to be there as long as they have the support, as long as they have the backing financially of their fans, they're always going to perform. 
and the more demand that the fans have to hear those artists that's i mean you're going to see them out in huge you know stadiums arenas you know theaters they're going to be playing everywhere because there's a demand for it but if your fans aren't putting up the money and the only you know, you know fans that are are the fans of a Luke Bryan of a Jason Aldean of somebody, you know, you know, Dan and Shay brothers, Osborne, I could go on and on and on. If, you know, those fans are the only ones that are, you know, willing to shell the money out. That's all you're going to see. And that's all you're going to hear. Cause that's what they think is big. Ultimately they're going to do whatever's going to make them the most money as far as radio stations and you know, albums and <clears throat> recording studios. They're all, they're all slaves to the almighty dollar yeah. and that's what controls them. And that's what controls the industry. And if you like an artist and support them financially by buying every song that they release, you know, by, I mean, I talk about them in you know, forums online, you know, join the fan club, all that stuff, because that's the only way that that artist is going to make it you know, bigger and bigger yeah. as if they have a following. So, well, that's our little rant. Let's jump on to the episode folks. I, we, I've, I've felt like we needed to go down this rabbit hole. So here we go. And I really hope you guys enjoy this. But much. before we start, I did want to wish our Mr. Country music himself, Mr. Willie Nelson, a happy four twenty today. Yeah. Happy I know he's celebrating. <laughs> if anybody is, it's him and Snoop Dogg. And I hope they're doing it together. Here we go, folks. Well, I woke up this morning. It was drizzling rain. Around the curb come a passenger train. I heard somebody yodel and I hope old moan. Jimmy, he's dead, he's been a long time gone, been a long time gone, a long time gone. That's right, folks, long time gone, Waylon, Mr. Waylon Jennings. Now, before we dive down this rabbit hole, have you seen Waylon live before? Did you ever get a chance to see him? No. Let me take you guys back to 2001. I was in eighth grade, and my dad said, hey, I've got an extra ticket. Do you want to go see Waylon Jennings? And at the time, I honestly didn't know a lot of his songs because I was in the eighth grade. And that was around the time that mom country was exploding with Lone Star and stuff like that. So I was like, sure, let's go. So I go see Waylon, his last and final concert, is which they taped at the Ryman Auditorium. He was sitting down the whole time. I got to sit sixth row. Andy Griggs was there. Alan Jackson was supposed to be there, but I didn't see him. I did get to meet Montgomery Gentry outside on their bus. It was the coolest night ever, and I'll never forget seeing Mr. Whalen in person. 
That's awesome. That's an it awesome was story. Very awesome. So, Mr. Wayland Arnold Jr. was born June 15, 1937, in Littlefield, Texas. Now, we could break that down, or most people could just look it up on the internet, you know? So, we try to give the stories and we try to dive into it to where it actually makes sense and we have a conversation about it. In my eyes, there is no bigger of a outlaw country music superstar in my opinion than Waylon. I mean, he's he's kind of bigger than Johnny Cash. I mean, I know Johnny Cash had the movie, but in my eyes, Waylon was my Johnny Cash. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, as far as outlaw country, I mean, you've only got a handful of guys really that fit that mold. And he is for sure one of them. Yeah, David Allen Cole is another one. Uh, Johnny Cash is one. Yeah, Willie Nelson's one. Um, but I would give the nod to David Allen Cole, just my opinion as far as outlaw goes. But I like Waylon's you know, music more than I do you know, David Allen Cole. So I mean, right. there's that. But uh, – I'm going to be honest with you going into this one. I've heard my whole life. Waylon Jennings ain't nobody like Waylon Jennings. He's awesome. He's the greatest. I always thought he was overrated, uh, but I started listening to his music. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize that was his song. I didn't realize he did that. He had a whole lot of covers, you know, in his career, but uh, some of them I thought were covers, and they're, but they're not. <laughs> some of them well, he wrote. <laughs> he he's the biggest artist that most people will name drop. You know yeah. when when they yeah. uh, when they say they grew up listening to Waylon, or they learned the Waylon song, or they watched you know the Dukes of Hazard. He is the biggest name that most people refer to. Now, whether they de- whether it's the truth or not, only right. they know. But well, I mean, it's a cool the- name to drop. Exactly. And, you know, me and my wife, we we had a very heated debate on naming my son Waylon. I mean, that's that's how much that I, I really did think a lot of him, you know. Um, and as we're going to go down the road here, I've got a lot more stories to share. But let's go back to when he was born. So he was born on a farm, obviously. Uh, his bloodline is like Cherokee Comanche which if you look at him, it, I, I could see a little bit of that. Yeah. His, his name came after the Wayland, Wayland, W-A-Y-L-A-N-D, Baptist Church University. That's what people thought until the preacher came to the home, knocked on the door, and wanted to thank his mother for naming it. The mother had no clue what the hell he was talking about, so mm-hmm. she had it changed to Waylon. We, well, however the however you say it, but it's W Y L O N. Okay. Yeah. Uh, later on, he said how he thought that name was kind of made him sound corny and hillbillyish, but yeah. the name had been good to him, and he was at peace with it by the time that you know he got old enough to care. I heard that story, and that's an awesome story. It is, but. I don't know. I don't understand how he could think it's not a, it's not a good stage name. It's the perfect stage name. 
Yeah, but back then it was probably cooler to be called, you know, George or something. You know, who knows around that time. Uh, Bob. His father. Bob's. His father later uh, moved them into town and created a creamery, which is another word for a milk barn. That's kind of what they did. Uh, Waylon was eight when his mom showed him how to play the very first song that he ever learned to play and sing, and it was 30 Pieces of Silver. This song kind of talks about how Judas uh, sold Jesus for such a small amount when he betrayed him in Matthew 26, 15. It's actually a really cool song. I had to look it up. I didn't find any current versions of it, but it was pretty cool. Now, the influences that Waylon had as a child was Bob Wells and Ernest Tubb, Hank Williams, of course, Carl Smith, and Elvis Presley. At this time, so he's not even 10 yet, and he decides to start playing talent shows, which I didn't think there was a lot of talent shows around that time period, but evidently there was if he's claiming it. So around 16, he gets in trouble in school, and he quits school. He has a you know, whatever grade you'd be in at 16, freshman, maybe. Sophomore, junior. Yeah, so that's where he he just quits school. He starts doing odd and end jobs and playing music. Then he meets a guy by the name of Buddy Holly. He meets them at a Luchenbach restaurant. So this puts them at about 1956. Waylon started to work as a DJ, from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., he played music. Now, between 4 and 10, I don't know if you're catching the people going home. Well, back then, people didn't really sit around the TV and watch Hulu in 1956, so they could have easily turned on the radio and just listened to whatever the DJ, you know, had to play. Um, so for he would play country for the first two hours, and the last two hours, he would play Chuck Berry and Little Richard. He jumped around working from radio station to radio station. He always had a really good voice, so he made commercials. Buddy Holly's dad came to him, and they worked out some kind of deal for Waylon to, uh, you know, start playing some music and playing bass with Buddy Holly's band. So at this time, Buddy Holly, uh, he had the song that was, uh, do you remember Buddy Holly's music? that'll be the day that yeah. one you know then, buddy holly let me i want to make a comment about him he died really young but he was you know so highly regarded as just a master at you know <clears throat> music is like you know producing it performing it you know, for him to be gone so early, he made such an impact on the music industry at that time. It's It's been said by a lot of people, if he hadn't have passed when he did, it would be completely different because he was you know, <clears throat> you know, such an impact and such a genius at that you know, early of a stage. 
I mean, in the entire industry, because the industry was not that big at that time. But, I mean, it was on its way up, and he was a big part of it because he had so much talent. And the influence he had on Waylon, I mean, it's obvious in, like, a lot of his music because it didn't you know, you know, sound like his uh, real early stuff. It had a you know a little different you know kick to it, I guess you could say, which is a little odd if you pair it with Waylon's voice. But at the same time, it added a whole nother uh, dimension, you know, to his music at that time. So, I mean, Buddy Holly is an artist that I wish he was a country artist because. I would love to talk about him one week <laughs> because it, it's just yeah, fascinating what he was able to do in such a short you know, period of time. Right. So around 1959 is when Waylon was a part of the winter dance tour. It was kind of a big deal and the show promoter, he wasn't really worth a damn. He booked shows without even considering the travel logistics of it. So they were, a lot of times riding through the night in half-ass equipment and the drummer actually got frostbit toes at one of the shows yeah because it was so cold and the heater quit working so here they are in clear lake iowa holly had booked a four-seater plane for himself jimmy and um, two others they were going to do a coin toss on who was going to be riding in this plane because uh you know, they didn't want to take the risk of getting anybody else sick. So at the time, Jennings decided to give up his seat to the big ball. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the big bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, you sweet thing. Do I want? Will I want? The Big Bopper had the flu and had complained about riding on a tour bus with no heat, and he already was sick. So they didn't really want to, you know, make things any worse. So when Buddy Holly learned of the switch changeup, a friendly argument was made. At this time, he told Waylon, I hope your bus freezes up. And Waylon says, well, I hope your plane crashes. And those remarks would forever haunt Waylon, as he obviously had no clue what was about to happen. But it did at 1 a.m. February the 3rd, 1959, as the plane crashed and killed all on board. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Three young singers who soared to the heights of show business on the current rock and roll craze were killed today in the crash of a light plane in an Iowa snow flurry. The singers were identified as Richie Valens, 17, Buddy Holly, 22, and J.P. Richardson, known professionally as the Big Bopper. The aircraft chartered from the Dwyer Flying Service crashed near Mason City, ironically the setting for the prominent musical The Music Man. The pilot, Roger Peterson of Clear Lake, Iowa, was also killed. The three singers had appeared at the surf ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa last night and were on their way to Fargo, North Dakota. Their small chartered plane crashed in a lonely farmyard about 15 miles northwest of Mason City. 
Cause of the crash was due to inclement weather conditions. Details upcoming from Action Central News. So sad. Nearly four decades later, Jennings still feels responsible for the crash. And and that kind of triggered his drug use. That's what kind of took him down that road. So after all that happened, he went back to being a DJ, but he would lose his job. He would get into it because he threatened to go work for the competition or something. So around 65, between 1959 and 65, he played a lot of odd end things. He kind of had like an indie record deal, but it really didn't go nowhere. So he's in uh, Arizona having a good old time, just playing a couple nights a week, making ends meet. And a guy by the name Bobby Bear, he was driving through Phoenix. He heard Waylon on the radio. After seeing him live, he called Chet Atkins, the head of RCA Records in Nashville, and offered him a deal. Waylon was unsure, so he contacted his friend Willie Nelson. Willie had seen so much of uh, Waylon's playing, and he knew so much about how Nashville was doing people wrong that he suggested, hey, Waylon, just stay in Arizona, keep doing what you're doing because you're not missing nothing in Nashville. Now, Chet Atkins, there's statues made for him because he was one of the greatest guitar pickers of all time, and he was also head of RCA Records at a moment in his time. Um, So then that brings us to 1965 the first song that Waylon released on RCA was that's a chance that I'll have to take it seems that's all I've ever known but now I'll leave that all behind if you'll just leave me alone and if I go on loving you If to leave is a mistake If I'm wrong in what I do That's a chance I'll have to take Nineteen sixty-seven, just to satisfy you The choking kind and only daddy that would walk the line now, Daddy, that would walk the line. We knew that that went number two. Everybody knows you've been stepping on my toes And I'm getting pretty tired of it You keep a stepping out of line And I'm messing with my mind If you had any sense, you'd quit Cause ever since you were a little bitty teeny girl Said I was the only man in this whole world now you better do some thinking, then you'll find you got the only daddy that'll walk the line. Then he decided to do a MacArthur Peak song with the Kimberleys, and that landed him actually a Grammy Award. And during that time, that's pretty impressive if you think, you know, back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had never heard of the Kimberleys, had you? never uh i have but it was just because i watched this old uh i don't i don't don't think it was a documentary i think it was like a a movie and they were mentioned but yeah well that's the only reason 
there's people that won Grammys this year that I never heard of. So, I mean, you know, I'm not it's every year. I, I know it's a big deal to yeah. win a Grammy because you can say you're a Grammy winning artist, but I don't really keep up with that. So during this time, Waylon decides he's going to move to Nashville and his roommate happened to be Mr. Johnny Cash. The booking agency screwed them so many times with raw deals and booking shows that were so far apart that they didn't really make any money that they kind of had to be roommates. I mean, you're talking about they were on the road 300 days out of the year, and back then that was before massive tour buses and logistics of getting paid fifty dollars and $60,000 for a show. Among that kind of triggered his pain pill habit. Um, which also he felt trapped in the circuit. He felt like he couldn't get out because he was making enough to survive. And of course, this is what he loved to do. So he kept doing it. 1972 ladies love outlaws. He used his own band, right? He used his own band, the whalers to come into Nashville and cut the whole record. And I'm telling you what, they that pissed Nashville plum off because at that time they wanted to use studio musicians, you know. Um, and another funny deal was when they were cutting that record, the DEA busted in the door because they had heard that he had a bunch of cocaine. And <laughs> yeah. So that was one of those stories. I had gotten so bad into drugs, I was doing up to $1,500 a day, and I stand up five, six, and seven days. Waylon Jennings' cocaine habit became well known. In 1977, the Drug Enforcement Agency paid a late-night call on it. They were following a package that had been sent to Waylon from New York. One of the people working in my office evidently was trying to curry favor with Waylon. And from what I understand, the unsolicited sent Waylon a package with some cocaine in it. Within a few minutes after it was delivered to Waylon in the studio where he was recording, DEA agents barged in with a warrant for Waylon Jennings' arrest. They confronted Richie Albright, who was producing the session, and demanded to know where the package was. Richie is standing at the the console. Well, he hits the talkback button, and I can hear everything they're saying out there, but they can't see me. I looked down to make sure I was on the button. And he was just too cool. Because <laughs> Waylon was usually kind of nervous type. They're saying, we followed the package in here. Where is it? It has cocaine in it. You know, and where's Mr. Jennings? And I reached over and I got the cocaine and I threw it over that way and went right behind the baseboard. As Waylon and Richie pretended to continue with the recording session, Richie retrieved the package from under the baseboard and sneaked into the bathroom. The sound of flushing was heard by all. When I came out, there was an agent standing right there, man. He was just red-faced. He was really, really upset. A DEA guy said, well, I said, where's that cocaine? And I said, if it ever was here, it ain't here no more. He said, I'll bet it ain't. That's the way that came down. I got the wet baggie award in Rolling Stone. I remember that a little bit later on. Although the charges were ultimately dismissed for lack of evidence, Waylon's arrest became front-page news all across America. Waylon turned the whole incident into another hit song. Also, it was another time that uh, Waylon was sitting in a room and he said, you know, I'm going to do it this way. I want 24 or 25 more thousand dollars. 
and that's just what I want. He got up and left the room. Well, the record label thought that he was pissed, so they went ahead and done it. Story to be told was Waylon just had to go up and take a piss. So that's why he left the room. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a $25,000 piss. But anyways, uh, at this time, Nashville wasn't really letting Waylon do his thing. And it was really messing with him. And it kind of got him discouraged. So here we are. The RCA deal is about to end. Waylon is in the hospital fighting hepatitis. He was sick and frustrated with his music career. And he actually thought about retiring. And this was around, you know, between, um, I think it was 1972, Richie Albright, which is uh, still playing music today with his son Shooter. Um, he was one of the band members and his best friends. And he said, man, let's go get this new manager. I really think that he could do something for you, Waylon. Because at this time, Waylon had had a little bit of success, but he wasn't the major star that he should have been. So Jennings said, well, just hang on. Let me ask RCA for a $25,000 advance. That same day, RCA said, no, we'll give you $5,000, and we'll also give you five more percent on the returns of sales. He said, hell no, that day. Hired the manager that Ricky, that Richie was talking about, and that kind of got the things into motion for Waylon to literally shoot up like a rocket at this point. That's when um, the same manager took on Willie Nelson as well. And by the time that it was over with, that manager was able to get Waylon a $75,000 advance. So it's $50,000 more than what he thought. Which puts us at 1973, Lonesome, Henri, and Mean, which was a hell of a song. On a Greyhound bus Lord, I'm traveling this morning I'm going to sleep And down to New Orleans This was Waylon's first number one song, believe it or not. He had been around this, this long and finally got a number one song. 1974, we go into Dreaming My Dreams. Uh, and the next song that I will forever love playing and hearing is, Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way? Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shiny cars. It's been the same way for you. That's a great remember song. that song. Yeah, that's and, a great song. And almost every artist has done it. Speaking of kind of a story, uh, uh, Eric Church once done that song, and he said, and I'm sure Garth didn't do it this way. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Waylon also said about Garth, 
and I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of the horse on the years, but Waylon was noted to say that Garth Brooks did for country music what Pantyhose did for Fanger. <laughs> That's a fantastic quote. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, I'd never heard it put quite like that. Yeah. So, you know, um, but later on, we'll tell you what happened. So here we are. 1974 was a massive year at this time. He had so much success. 1975, the ACM Male Artist of the Year. 1976, are you ready for the country? RCA did a live album uh, with him, which did phenomenal. That album was named Country Album of the Year. So 1976 to 1979, the outlaw music was insanely taken off. That's when he kind of teamed up with Willie and they had Luke and Bach in Texas and Mama Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. And I've always been crazy. All those great songs come from that time period. Cowboys ain't easy to love and they're harder to hold. They'd rather give you a song than diamonds or gold. Long star belt buckles and old faded Levi's And each night begins a new day If you don't understand him, he don't die young He'll probably just ride away Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys Don't let them pick guitars and drive them away Doctors and lawyers and such. don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. But once again, Waylon, he kind of felt trapped, you know, because he even had a song that uh, states, you know, this outlaw shit's got out of hand because, you know, he, I think he had a little bit of, well, if you're addiction, you know how that is. I mean, like sometimes it'll, it'll trick your mind into thinking that things are the way that they are, you know, and he didn't really yeah. feel like an outlaw. He just felt like he wanted to play his music, but he became an outlaw and he wasn't even purposely trying to become one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which also puts us to 1979 when the Dukes of Hazard come out, his 12th number one song, just a good old boys. Just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straight in the curve Yeah in the hills Someday the mountain might get them But the law never will Making their way Coming into the 80s, he was smoking six packs a day. He spent $1,500 a day on cocaine. He was $2.5 million in in debt with his drug dealers. Okay. He sends himself and does his own detox in Arizona. 
that's when the Highwaymen were created. 1985, he signs with MCA. Then 1990, he signs with Epic. Both labels released albums on him that went number one. 1985, he gave Big Bird on Sesame Street a ride. 1990s, record sales dropped, but his concerts, they just kept selling out. Uh, Also, again, with the 90s, uh, let's see, he did a lot of tours around that time. 1997, at 60 years old, he got his GED. Uh, 1999 he was inducted into the texas hall of fame 2000 his final concert album was recorded so that's that's the one that i was at it was called never say die which with all this time he brought us great music he lived every song that he sung i believe a little bit of it uh, he had been married six, well, he'd been married four times with six children. He passed away in his sleep in 2002. He was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame the year before that. Since then, Waylon's music has influenced Hank Jr., the Marshall Tucker Band, Travis Tritt, Steve Earle, Eric Church, Cody Jinks, Jamie Johnson, um, Shooter, Sturgill, Hank the third, uh, at his time of death, he was worth $7 million. He currently has a son named Shooter Jennings, who is uh, in the music business. I actually got to smoke a joint with him one time. He was a really laid back guy. Then he has another grandson that I'm really not fond of at all. He was a complete jackass. Then he has another one, which is a struggle and he remade the outlaw shit, which I'm going to play for you right here. Tell me what you think. Like a VH1 star with a heart in Shit, I'm serving a life sentence, and I still got a charge pending. Seems like everywhere I go now, they watching. Hiding this pain in my eyes behind my thoughts. Can't sleep, I'm too busy chasing dreams. In the face, in the posse, down like I ain't never seen yet. Got now the hand. What's going on? Uh-huh. 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 I mean, you know, it's true though. This outlaw shit. I mean, it, it and it. I just hope that Waylon is a name that is still remembered a hundred years from now when they're playing music, and, and they may look at it like the way that we look at Hank uh, Seniors. Uh, you, your bucket's got a hole in it. Phenomenal country country song, but it was a three piece band song, and mm-hmm. you really don't hear nobody cranking it up. But yeah. I feel like there's something in Waylon that either they remake it like his uh, grandson did. Or the good old boys is still going to be played a hundred years from now. Yeah, Just luckily, boys. You know, I mean, yeah, luckily for Waylon, I mean, we had a video of him yeah, performing on stages and stuff. Uh, if it weren't for that, I'd be afraid that we would forget about him. Well, I mean, we have a little bit of Hank Senior. 
Well, he did. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, very little. But yeah, I mean, he was just. It was so long ago. I mean, it just right. wasn't an option. Fifties, yeah. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Waylon. He, I mean, he. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He don't have a lot, but a few things that he, you know, does have. You know, he's with Johnny Cash, and Johnny Cash. Whether you think he is bigger or not, which I mean, I personally do think he is bigger than Waylon Jennings, but a lot of that's got to do with you know, movies and you know, Ring of Fire is probably a bigger song than anything Waylon had. Um, so. I don't know, though, because that's one thing that I would like to debate over, because had Waylon had movies made about his story, I mean, I don't know why they haven't yet, but I mean, if you look at just the songs that he do it with uh, Willie, you know, and you got the good old boys on uh, Dukes of Hazzard, I mean, you know, and, and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that Waylon is... 50 times bigger than Johnny Cash. I just think he rightfully deserves to be exactly beside him, if not one step forward. And, and he, he may not be, you know, because they both did drugs. They were both yeah. considered outlaws. They both lost everything and gained it back. They both, you know, they lived every mm-hmm. song that they wrote, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I tricky. think they're extremely yeah similar, but I mean, yeah, the fact remains, and until they make a um, you know, hit movie about you know, Waylon like they did Johnny, and until they make like an entire wing of a Hall of Fame that's dedicated to Waylon like they have Johnny, it's going to be extremely hard for him to be remembered at the same level as Johnny Cash. Yeah. And it may not be fair. But unfortunately, that's what, I mean, it's where the money's invested. And if and people well, invested the money, I mean, he could be remembered as the greatest country singer ever. Uh, another another thing, too, with Johnny Cash, he also married, it was final wife, was someone who was very famous, too. You know, yeah, the June yeah. Carter Cash story, but... You know, uh, I think that had a lot to do with it. Of course, Jesse Coulter, she was a singer as well. His yeah. final wife. I was going to ask you. on the same level. No, I was going to ask you if you heard about the story about the Grammys. I'm not sure the year, but uh, he was nominated for a few <clears throat> Grammys one year. He refused to go. Even though they told him he was going to win, he refused to go <clears throat> just because she wasn't. Uh, uh, nominated and he felt she should have been nominated so before Kanye West did it before anybody else started complaining about who was nominated you know who won yeah Grammy Awards you had Waylon Jennings way back in the 70s doing it yeah (laughs) I thought that was wild but yeah it is so I mean that's all that I have on Waylon. I, I would love to sit down beside a jukebox with a fifth of Jack Daniels and just listen to it all night long and truly enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. not not barn burn to it, but you know, right. enjoy the history of it because he is on my Mount Rushmore. Okay. Without well, a doubt. 
won't you give me your top five songs? My top side, my top five songs would have to be. Um, are you sure Hank done it this way? Outlaw shit. Just the good old boys. And it just the good old boys. I, I've heard it so many times, I'm almost tired of it, but it's gotta be in my top five. Um number four, Lukenbach, Texas. Number five would almost be, you know, uh, wow. It, it's a tough one because I enjoy it. She's a good-hearted woman in love with a good-timing man. I love rambling, man. I it, it just – I don't know, man. I really can't cut it off at five. Yeah. I, I would say my number one song for Waylon would be, Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way? Yeah. That's a good song. It's and, in my and, top and five do, as well. Do, do you know the lyrics behind it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. That's in my top five too. Are you sure Hank did it this way? I like Lady Love Outlaws. That's in my top five. It's probably number. It probably is number five. I like Mamas. Don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Although it is overplayed more than any other song. Did you know got. Waylon hated singing that song? I'm sure he did. He did. It's like all bands. Yeah. Hate, hate performing. Well, Counting Crows. When I went and seen them. He refused, refused to play Mr. Jones. That's the biggest Counting Crows song, but he hated playing it, so they didn't play it. As far as that's concerned, I mean, I understand you don't like playing it. And at a certain point, if you don't enjoy what you do, you shouldn't do it. But there's a lot of people who, yeah. <laughs> Who paid good money to go see you in concert? Play the damn song they want to hear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even if you live sing through the damn thing, yeah. I just mean, play it. how much money have you made off that song? Right, that song right. has made your career. Well, I mean, not you know, made it, but it helped a lot. Well, you know, a song that I forgot is way more blues. I mean, yeah, that's in my top five. Yeah, and like, did you it. know, like, he didn't really even understand what the damn song was about, but it, <laughs> but he recorded it. He was that one of the songs? Uh, yeah, what's it? Uh, Bob Wills gave him. I'm not he for sure who worked a bunch of songs. Song. He was in an interview and like his wife had like fell asleep. I guess they were high on coke or something. But he's like, I recorded this song and I, I still don't even know what the hell it's about. <laughs> you know? Yep. That's funny. But yeah, go ahead with the rest of yours. Way more blues. Uh, Mama's don't let your babies grow to cowboy. Are you sure Hank did it this way? Ladies love outlaws and looking back, Texas. Yeah. Do you know that where he grew up is actually really close to where my brother lives right now? Oh, so, really? Yeah. And I'm getting ready that. to go to Texas in a little while, in a, in a few weeks. So, what'd be cool is if you could see. find like a statue or something or like yeah. his childhood home and. We'll yeah. put it on our social media or something. That'd be really cool. See, I'm going to Austin, so it's like the live music capital of the world. So I'm sure yeah. I'll see something. <laughs> I'm hoping at least. Right. But yeah, maybe I, Joe Rogan. Well, that's possible. Elon Musk and yeah. give me a Tesla. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, now, 
I didn't know he had something to do with the song Amanda. Yeah. I, so I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's a great song. Chris, yeah, Stapleton, yeah, did that. A few people have done it. But yeah, Ramble Man, Rainy Day Woman is yeah. a song that I thought Bob Dylan wrote it, but turns out he wrote it, but he wrote eh, it was <clears throat> Rainy Day Woman number 74 was what his was called. <laughs> I just thought he just added a number to it, but that, that's that's what he called it. It's along the same lines as you know the song by Waylon Jennings, but it's got his own twist to it. Yeah. Yeah, which I love. Bob Dylan, because of the songs he wrote, is just ridiculous. But I was extremely impressed to learn a lot of stuff about, you know, Waylon, because I didn't realize he had a hand in as much as he actually did. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, so many people are quick to name drop him or quick to just go ahead and say, oh, that's the Duke of Hazard guy. You know, yeah. and it, it's not really. I mean, he was one of the pillars of outlaw country music. And it's not like he meant to be. He just right. was, you know, because a lot of times he was handed a raw deal. And when you're that talented, but you have so much depression from Buddy Holly, so yeah. much, you know, regret. And drugs. And, yeah, and addiction. I mean, he lived a hard life. And no, there's no telling how much money he snorted. Oh, no, there's no telling how much, excuse me, he wasted just on, you know, alcohol, drugs, and travel. Because, I mean, it wasn't set up good at the time. And uh, there's no telling how much he spent on divorces either. Yes, four (laughs) times. You know, Shooter once said when he was little growing up in the 90s that, uh dad would always find a way to get him like the newest playstation you know he had a really good life growing up and of course around that time he was you know uncle johnny cash and uncle willie nelson would come over for thanksgiving i mean can you imagine what shooter has seen oh yeah there's no telling i mean i just want to say in the 80s when they formed you know, the group, the highwaymen. Yes. Could you imagine getting to see them perform? Yeah. Willie Nelson, you had Waylon Jennings, you had Johnny Cash, you had yeah, Chris Christopherson. Yeah. David Allen Coe was in there too. Could you imagine that? Like that is absolutely bonkers. All the talent on that stage at once. That is I don't. I mean, I don't even have to compare it. I mean, you it's, can't. Yeah, I mean, you really can't. We don't have any. I mean, you would come real close if you stuck Tyler, which don't really have enough time in it to really be even mm-hmm. close to considered. Sturgill, Chris Stapleton, it. You still don't have enough people to do it. I just wonder if they kind of got the idea from the uh, traveling Wilburys which I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure if you're familiar with them. It's Eric Clapton. It was uh, yeah, Tom Petty. It was – who else was in that? They very well could have because it would have been around the same time frame. Yeah, one of the guys from Electric Light Orchestra, ELO, I'm thinking. And then, yeah, somebody else. But anyway, I mean, that's 
it was a super group an yeah. absolute super group just like you know, audio slave was a super group in the in the late 90s and then you had uh, yeah temple of the dog that's you know a grunge you know super group you had eddie vetter and you know, chris cornell which was nuts at the time but i just think that is an aspect that I mean, you could do an episode on the highwayman and have a ton of information on that you know what i'm saying oh yeah because Without a of, doubt. of the history and the talent that's in that group but yeah. and like a lot of the songs that were uh, more famous i mean it was good when it was done by the individuals but when you threw the other you know talented you know, dudes on the same song and had them perform it it kind of blew it out of the water so i mean that's just I gained a lot of respect for you know, Waylon Jennings. Well, for this episode, so I'm glad we went over it because that's awesome. I, I mean, I was familiar with him, obviously, because if you have a pulse, you're probably familiar with Waylon Jennings at least a little bit. But I was not as familiar with him. Uh, I was going to ask, do you want to do the hypotheticals? Uh well, we could. Uh, uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. What's your fight song? Fight song would be I've Always Been Crazy. <laughs> All right. My fight song would be uh, probably yeah, good, yeah, good old boy. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Okay. Put you in the mouth. <laughs> all right what's your making love song good hearted one mm-hmm. or uh, amanda it's yeah, pretty close amanda's good too i would hope her name would be amanda yeah yeah otherwise a little awkward yeah uh i will say ladies love outlaws okay just I don't know. I like to think I'm outlaw in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, kind of you know, change the mood a little bit. What would be <laughs> your forever on repeat song? Looking back, Texas. Yeah, I just like it. I just like. It. I think I could sing along with it forever. Mine would be way more blues. I just that's one of the songs that I wish that I could. Uh, that know, was the other one that I thought about for that one, but I wasn't sure. I mean, it would be really close to "Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way," but. You do kind of get burned out of the barrel, 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 barrel at the yeah. beginning, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, it's beating the hell out of it. Only a few <laughs> times, yeah, you can do that song. And Waylon <laughs> probably say the same thing. But so we're recording this on a Wednesday, and still 20 years later after Waylon's death, Wednesday to country music is Waylon Wednesday. So, I thought that was pretty cool that we nailed this down on a Wednesday as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you guys hear this, go crank up some Waylon. That's right. All right. That's all I got. Thanks, folks. Uh, check back for some of our other episodes, and we got some more coming up. We've got an interview coming up soon. Yeah. yeah. Look forward to hearing from you on uh, Facebook. All right, folks. Hasta mañana. 
This here podcast was prepared and accomplished by the Country Music Critic. The views and opinions expressed on the Country Music Critic are not necessarily those of the guests, sponsors, or anyone associated with the production of this here podcast. The Country Music Critic releases itself from all misrepresentation. Any information shared on this podcast was researched and obtained using the World Wide Web, a.k.a. the Interweb. Comments made on the Country Music Critic are meant to be informative, comical, or just plain silly, and not meant to defame, asperse, calumniate, slander, traduce, vilify, or be malign in any way. Why do you boys consistently make me say all them tough words? Don't like it. Thanks for joining us on the Country Music Critic, and we'll catch you all next time.